about fly fishing internet radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Ben Dushaney, and he'll be answering your most important questions on kayak fly fishing. The show will be 90 minutes in length, and we're broadcasting live over the internet. If you'd like to ask Ben a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box there to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. Just fill in your name and email address in the form on our homepage, and we'll keep you informed. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website within about 48 hours after the show ends. So if you have to leave early, you can return to the website at your convenience and listen to the broadcast at any time. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted and is the property of the Knowledge Group, Inc., doing businesses ask about fly fishing. Recordings or transcriptions of this program cannot be distributed or sold in any form. When we return, we'll be talking with Ben Dushaney about kayak fly fishing. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market, as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. That's BigSkyInflatables.com. Before we introduce Ben, I'd like to let you know about the great gifts we're going to give away tonight. On our drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to the Federation of Fly Fishers and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Flying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet in the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look at the link under Ben's section that says, Click here to register for our drawing. Click on that link and fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away a copy of Ben's book, Kayak Fly Fishing, courtesy of Stackpole Books. And if you want to learn more about what Stackpole has to offer, go to stackpolebooks.com. You see all the books that they have uh, published, so many great books on fly fishing. So here's how you can win Ben's book. You must be the first person to answer the question we ask at the end of the show. could be two questions, by the way. And the question will be uh, about something we talked about during the show. You must submit your name and your location in the text box on our homepage. It's the same box that you can ask questions in during the show. So use your best typing skills, take good notes during the show, and maybe you'll win Ben's book, Kayak Fly Fishing. Our guest tonight is Ben Dushaney. Ben, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Hey, Roger. Thanks for having me on. Uh, did I just I'd like read to the say wrong that. bio? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> oh, sorry. I teased it. Okay. Let's do that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I like the I like Oh, how embarrassing. More, more, okay, here we go <laughs> that again, That more folks. entertaining. <laughs> Ben has been doomed to be a writer since he could spell, interviewing family members and scribbling nonsense to record their answers. Since he's learned to spell and 
and somewhere along the line picked up a camera. Now he's afflicted by multiple art forms, never really satisfied unless he's a white knuckle uh, busy writing something. He's the author of Kayak Fly Fishing, the freelance content creator, freelance marketing, and currently the content marketing manager for Endurance International Group, Inc. He continues to freelance with any free time he has he finds for various publications, such as Field and Stream, American Angler, Kayak Angler, Magazine, Bassing Magazine, and more. He's always looking to create new partnerships with brands or companies who want to tell a good story and enjoy creating it. Ben, one more time, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing. Well, that's Thanks, a first Roger. for me. <laughs> After over 10 years of Ray Devon bio, so uh, anyway. No anyway. problem at all. Thanks for having me, Roger. Yeah, good to have you on. Well, we got lots of questions, and, um, you know, I think kayak fly fishing is uh, really kind of picked up in the past several years. Uh, I know I see... A lot of people doing it in the salt, um, especially, you know, in places in the Caribbean and mangroves and places like that. And a lot of, you know, the private islands offer, offer kayak fishing off the island. So um, it's, I think it's really coming on strong. Is that is that the feeling you, you get? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, just a couple of years ago, it was actually named the fastest growing water sport, you know, in the country. And... It had a small dip when stand-up paddle boarding took over, but then it went right back up to the, the fastest growing again, I think, last year. So, yeah, it's just it's exploding, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Well, um, you know, you wrote your book, and one of the main things is, is talking about boats and gear. So let's start out there. And um, David uh, Dillon in Oklahoma asked, which kayaks, brand and model, do you like for large river fishing? And also for lake fishing, assuming you can drive close to the water to load and unload. And why do you like like these brands? Sure. So uh, the boat that I paddle with most, um, my personal boat, is the Old Town Predator 13. Um, oh, okay. I like Old Town because they're a, a New England brand. They're up in Old Town, Maine. I've been to their factory a few times. They're really good guys. And I like that boat specifically because it's, 13 feet long. It's a really good length for um, a lot of different fishing that I do, uh, like in the salt, but it's also great for lakes and, and bigger rivers. It has a really strong nose, uh, deep keel that it can kind of cut through the water and, and move pretty quickly, but it's also uh, stand-up, uh, you know, capable. You can stand up and jump around and fish and no problem. That's probably the one that I would say I like the best, but it is heavy, so, you know, being able to drive to the water really close and unload right there, that's kind of kind of necessary for that boat. Yeah, I'd wanna I wanna to talk to you about that a little later about transportation and so forth. Yeah, I ran into the old town predator down in um on Tarpon Key in Belize. Uh that's their boat of choice there. Um for do it yourself, you know, fly fishing. Uh right. you know flats down there. Um is that one of the boats that has the, the, the pedal uh pedals in it or uh, not? it's not. Well, actually, well, the boat that I have, is, it does not have pedals. Um, they've recently released a new version, the Predator PDL, you know, which stands for pedal. So they have a pedal drive version. They also have a motorized version. You know, all sorts of new gadgets are coming out nowadays. What do you think about the, the pedals for, for uh, propulsion? Um, do you like that idea? Have you tried that? Is 
I have tried that many times. Uh, Hobie, the ones that really kind of, you know, popularize that. Everyone thinks of Hobie and they think of the pedal boats. I've gone on a few trips with them, tested other boats. Um, I think it has a place for sure, but for me, it's not my go-to. I just like the feeling of paddling, uh, you know, the, the technique. I think it's more efficient. It doesn't use up as many muscles if you're using the right technique. And it's, it allows for faster reaction. So one example that I always give, you know, when talking to people about pedal versus paddle is I was actually at a Hobie event in Kentucky, fishing Kentucky Lake for a bass tournament, and this crazy storm rolled in. The water started swelling up to, like, you know, three-foot waves out of nowhere. So we all started paddling or actually pedaling back to the shore. Uh, well, at the last second, right before I was passing underneath this bridge, a wave came up and almost tipped the boat over. And luckily, I had a paddle attached with me just because I liked the paddle as well. And that was the only reason why I didn't flip was because I had the ability to to catch myself with the paddle. So if you're solely relying on pedals, sometimes you don't have as much bracing capabilities. So for me, it's, I, you know, I kind of need the paddle there. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I could kind of see I, I was watching some – uh, YouTube videos the other day of some guys out in the salt using those uh, pedal kayaks. And um, the one time it seemed like it was advantageous maybe was when he was fighting a fish because he could kind mm-hmm. of move the boat and, you know, and with his hand still on the rod kind of thing because I guess you're kind of stuck <laughs> once you get a yeah, fish on. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're yeah, at the mercy you, of the fish, right? You know? Yeah. You can kind of one-arm paddle, uh, and that's, you know, he can get you only so far, but trolling, you know, really long distance, like if you're fishing offshore, like the oil rigs or something like that, and fighting fish are the three kind of key, you know, reasons why you would want to pedal boat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Craig in Portland, Oregon, he says, I fish out of a regular 10-foot kayak. Um, can I do that? Can I fish out of a regular 10-foot kayak, or do I need a specialized craft? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of debate about, like, a specialized sit-on-top fishing kayak with rod holders and all that stuff, or, if you know, a regular 10-foot inside kayak that you probably already have at your house, you can fish out of that, too. Um, and I think, absolutely, whatever gets you out on the water is, is what you should be using, um, at least to start. Once you kind of specialize and you, you get more into it, then you can pick up a boat that's a little bit better suited for fly fishing specifically. But you can fish out of any kayak. I have a a 10-foot kayak that, that's a sit inside that I can't stand up in that I also love taking out on the water because it's lighter, it's easier to take out. It, because it's sit inside, you're more sheltered from the weather, so on cold fall New England days, that's what I would want to take out anyways. Um, so you can really use any boat. Yeah, yeah. But you are kind of restricted to just staying in your seat then, right? I mean, it's, those are just not yeah. to stand up in, are they? Yeah, I mean, some are, some are, you know, they have specially designed keels or um, the way that they've designed the bottom of the hull has like a sort of pontoon effect so that you can stand up in it, like the uh, Native Ultimate 12, which was actually my first kayak. Um, so that's a sit-in side that they've designed so your feet are actually below the water line so that you have a lower center of gravity so that you can stand up. So there are certain boats you can stand up in, but for the most part, the, you know, kayaks that are probably already in your shed that are sitting inside or like a, you know, sporting goods store kayak, you probably shouldn't stand up in unless you're very agile. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Ted in uh, Newington, Connecticut, uh, asks, what are the advantages and disadvantages of, of a kayak where you sit inside versus on top? And he just lists casting, storage, safety, talking about Sure, sure. So, like I said, sit inside. You know, if you're more, you're less exposed to the weather, so if you're fishing cold days, um, that could be really useful to protect yourself from the weather. In rivers, it's also you know, I prefer rivers, uh, sit inside kayaks for rivers because you can wear a skirt, which is like a neoprene piece of um, cloth that goes around the top of the kayak, like you might have seen with whitewater kayakers. Um, that prevents water from going inside the boat and, you know, causing you to flip. But sit-on-tops are the most popular in kayak fly fishing and kayak fishing in general because there's tons of storage. Um, you can store rods and extra paddles inside the boat. There's what's called a rear tank well, which is like this uh, big, square, long um, spot where you can store a milk crate, you know, a kayak crate full of gear, tackle boxes, bait tanks, all this stuff. Um, and then, of course, you can stand up. And uh, I've actually did a test out of the boat. I've done handstands on a kayak. I've jumped in the air and done a 360 and landed on, back on my feet in a kayak <laughs> just because they're so stable. Um, so if you're going to be standing up all the time like a bass boat, then a sit, on, sit on top is probably what you want. Well, then you get uh, a better view into the water too, right? I mean, then you would. Right, exactly. So, so for me, you know, my favorite thing to do is is fish the flats for striped bass down in Cape Cod, and for that, you you know, I need to be standing up. I need to be looking for those fish because they're so hard to find, so hard to see. Um, so, standing up gives me a better vantage point, and it also helps me get my cast out there a little bit better. So instead of, you know, a 45, 50-foot cast, I can hit those 80-foot casts or longer to fish that are just on the edge of my casting range. Mm -hmm. Now, um, when you're talking about that super stability and so forth, are you talking about a kayak that, that does or doesn't have any kind of outriggers or stabilization? Uh, you know? uh, so for me, I, I have fished with boats that have outriggers, but you don't need them, at least the way that kayaks are being designed now, um, oh, okay. fishing kayaks specifically. There is one called the Freedom Hawk that was very popular when kayak fishing kind of first started, but now boats are designed so well with different shapes of the hull, different pontoon uh, style boats, you know, the list goes on, that it, even some that have the a boat that, a hull that steps out so it kind of creates like a you know, three stages of stability. You don't need pontoons anymore, and which is good because pontoons actually make a boat heavier. So there's plenty of options out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dan in Bismarck, uh, North Dakota, uh, wrote in and said, I fly fish from my kayak because it combines two of my favorite recreational things to do. But absent that, does it really make much sense to fish from the kayak? Aren't there better boats available for this sport? <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I'll give it to him, but because it, it is hard, kayak, you know, fly fishing from a kayak isn't the easiest thing in the world. People joke. I think when I first started kayak fly fishing, they, I mentioned it in a tackle shop, and they said, "Why don't you just fish upside down? Wouldn't that be easier?" Um, <laughs> you, you know, it does add some challenges, but that's kind of why I like it. You know, fly fishing I like because it's more challenging than regular fishing. So. The more challenging something is, the, the better, you know, the more satisfied I get out of it. 
So that's one reason, but also because I like, I just like doing it. Same thing with Dan said, you know, yeah. it combines two of my favorite things, paddling and fly fishing. So if I like two things and they're good together, then why not do it more often? That's the way I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's kind of like the way I feel about floating rivers, you know, whether I'm in a drift boat or a raft or, or whatever. I just like floating the river. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can do it with that's or without fishing, and, you know. But, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. That's another great thing about kayak fly fishing is that if you don't catch any fish, well, you had a good day kayaking. Yeah, uh, whereas right. if you're in a bass boat or something like that, you just yeah. spent sixty dollars on gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and fifty thousand on the boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. God, I just uh, those things can get really expensive. I was at Bass Pro Shop not too long ago looking at some of them. I go, oh my gosh! You know, I thought a drift boat was expensive. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, um, some of them are nice, but I like kayaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, good. Um, let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll come back and uh, and talk more about uh, fly fishing from kayaks. Looking for that shot at a permit? Whipray Key Fishing Lodge in Belize is where you want to be. When you stay at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, you're on a private island, and they're only minutes away from some of the finest permit fishing in Belize. Whipray Key is a 30-minute boat ride from Placencia. Once you're there, you'll be fishing Permit Alley, one of Belize's best fisheries, and you won't be taking long boat rides to get started. You'll fish with world-class guides like Daniel Cabral, whose family has fished the area for over 30 years. Want to switch it up and fish for tarpon and bonefish and make it a grand slam? They can make it happen at Whipray Key Fishing Lodge. Book your next adventure now. Visit WhiprayKeyFishingLodge.com. That's Whipray and then C-A-Y-E, FishingLodge.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking to Ben Duchenne and about kayak fly fishing. If you'd like to ask Ben a question, go to our homepage at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Well, ben, I always ask my guests, you know, what's going on in your fly fishing world? So, I know you, you finished this book recently, and that was probably a, a nice little challenge, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. It was actually a, a three-year process. It didn't take me three years to write the actual book, but from, you know, figuring out the idea, outlining, writing it, editing it, getting the photos together, that was three years. So as much fun as I did have writing it, I'm kind of glad that it's printed in front of me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the curse of being a, a fishing writer is that you actually end up writing more about fishing than going fishing. <laughs> so I've gone out a bunch this year, but not nearly as much as I would like. But yeah. I've had fun writing about it, as I always do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's the way the way it is for me as well. Um, <laughs> spend more time on radio shows than I do. <laughs> yeah. But I sure exactly. find out about a lot of things that I'd like to do or will do and so yeah, it always pays off. Um, the um, we did get some questions here on the internet, quite a few actually, long ones. So let me kind of read through this. Uh, Thomas Murphy, Spokane Valley, pro con on kayak versus other personal flotation craft like small pontoon boat. Um, so he wants to know, yeah, what's the, the pros and cons versus a small pontoon boat and a kayak? Sure, sure. So. So I'm thinking what he means by a small pontoon boat is like a float tube, right? Is that what you're imagining? 
Well, the, the, a float tube is different than a pontoon boat. Pontoon boat, you're sitting pretty much out of the water rather than in the water. So, I, I right. Oh, I, I think okay. So, um, yeah. I, now I know what he's talking about. Yeah, pontoon boat. So, I mean, it's really personal preference, like anything. For me, you know, kayaks. There's more storage because they're, um, you know, with a pontoon boat. If if I'm correct, you know, and thinking of the right pontoon boat, they're frame on tubes, right? So there's not as much storage. You do have a couple of rod holders, but there's no internal storage. Like in a kayak, you can fit extra paddles, you can fit extra rods, tackle boxes, gear, you know, you can fit so much stuff inside the boat itself through hatches. So I've, you know, I've gone on overnight trips in kayaks, which you could do on a pontoon boat, I'm sure, but I don't think it would be as comfortable or as easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, then he asks, uh, is it better to go longer, uh, for example, a switch rod versus a single rod, handed rod, so that you can uh, have, say, 11.5 feet of, of rod. So is, is longer rods better? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, you, you kind of need to find a sweet spot. So, you know, the longer you can go, yes, it does get your cast off the water a little bit better, so it's easier to cast while sitting down, but it's much harder to land a fish in a kayak. And the same thing goes the other way. You know, it's much easier to land a fish with a six-foot rod, um, you know, a, a small single-hander fly rod, but it's also a lot harder to cast without getting your line in the water. So I tend to like eight-and-a-half, nine-foot, you know, the kind of the average uh, fly rod just because uh, – I don't like to spend big money on rods because I'll just break them in the kayak. That's what, what happens. You tend to beat up rods a little bit more. So I do know of guys going out there with, you know, 13-foot two-handed switch rods and really making some crazy casts from their kayak, which is awesome. But for me, that's, that's not really what I tend to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, let's see, what was his third? Oh. Budget versus all out. What are the minimums to be effective versus um, what is the minimum to be effective? So he's, he's asking about budget versus going all out. You know, how can you move up from budget to the, the Lexus standard <laughs> kind of thing? Right, you know? right. So he says, where do you start and where can you end up? And I think he's talking about, you know, costs uh, here. Sure. Sure. So I say, you know, spend as little as possible to get yourself in the water and just to see if you like it. You don't want to go spend, you know, $5,000 on, on gear and buy the best of the best if you're going to hate it after the first season, you know. So I think first off, just buy a, a boat or even better yet, borrow a buddy's boat, get out there, go once or twice, see if you like it. Uh, and also go with a friend because obviously going with a friend's safer, but it's also more fun. Um, if you are going to go budget, then I would recommend, you know, kind of concentrating your budget on a paddle. The better paddle you buy, the more enjoyable it is because if you think about it, you know, the paddle is your engine. So you could have a sweet boat, but if your paddle sucks, then you're not going to be having much fun because you'll be less efficient. It'll be a heavier paddle. You're not going to go as far as fast. So if you're going to skimp on the boat, then put that money into a paddle. Um, and then on the top of the end of the budget, you can get some really nice boats that are, you know, specifically designed for fly fishing or 
for fishing in general with tons of storage and rod holders and, you know, fish finder mounts and all this crazy stuff. But I say unless you know for a fact that you're going to use all of that, I wouldn't get it necessarily even in the first couple of years. The best thing about kayak fly fishing and kayak fishing in general is that you can modify these boats so easily. So it sounds scary, but guys used to drill holes in the bottom of their boat to put transducers in them. They built kayak, you know, kayak crates out of milk crates, uh, rod holders from their bass boats. They would customize and put them on their kayaks. Like you can do all these crazy things because the boats are cheaper. So if you're not afraid to buy a budget boat, then you can make it your own, which is kind of nice. What's your price range on from budget to all-in kind of thing? I mean, while you can buy a kayak for like a couple hundred bucks, even a hundred fifty maybe, um, like at a local sporting goods store, those boats they're gonna feel like a you know a hundred fifty dollar boat. So I actually have a, a family member that did that. He went out and bought a hundred fifty dollar sporting goods kayak and hated it, absolutely hated it. But had he tried and got a little bit nicer of a boat, even like four hundred, five hundred, those are the boats that are cheaper, budget-minded, but designed for fishing specifically. So there's one really good one that's, that I always point to. It's from Pelican Fishing. They are the kind of budget boat but still nice boats that I always kind of try and recommend. Um, their Catch 120 is a really good boat designed for fishing, lightweight, stand-up, uh, capable, sit on top with rod holders and, and storage and all that stuff. Um, but it's only, I think, 850 bucks or 900 bucks. I haven't seen it in a while, so forgive me. But I think it's like 900 bucks, which sounds crazy to some people to buy a kayak at 900 dollars, I guess. But you know, it will reward you again and again because it's exactly what you want. So would you say the range is, you know, starting at like 500 for a decent boat on up to what a couple of thousand? Is that? Yeah, I'd say probably 500 is what you can get in it you know you could probably be happy with a cheaper boat i'm sure but for me personally i don't think i'd go less than 500 um and then i've seen boats that are i think the the most expensive boat that i saw was like six thousand seven thousand oh. production level um now obviously you can get really fancy and and buy you know over ten thousand dollars with like custom wooden boats wooden kayaks and stuff like that but that's a whole different topic <laughs> yeah yeah so, uh, so that kind of gives you the range there, yeah. Uh, let's see, another question in on the Internet. Jay Murakoshi, I've interviewed Jay. He's a big salt guy, California, and Baja. He says, after selling my pram, I decided to buy another floating device. I'm looking at a kayak but trying to decide which one. I've heard from others to get nothing shorter than 10-foot, and a 12-foot would be the one to get. Uh, some suggest sit on top, some sit inside. I think it'd be much easier to cast with the sit on top. Which uh, which type of bottom do you prefer? So, a bunch of questions there. If you didn't catch yeah, it all. Yeah, so I think yeah, I think I've got basically what he's trying to ask. Well, so you mentioned that he's out in Baja, right? Like fishing saltwater. Well, he's in California, but uh, most of his fishing is down in uh, Baja. Now I don't know where he's fishing the pram at, but um, right, right, right. Could, could have been lakes and. Or offshore and inshore in uh, California too. Right. So, yeah. See, that's the the tricky part. 
because that's always the question I get asked most is what kayak or what kind of kayak should I buy? But it's really hard to just give a kayak without knowing like very specifically what they're doing, where they're doing it, what they're doing it for, their style of fishing, what they, their personal preference are. You know, it's, that's kind of a nice thing about kayak fly fishing is that it's so specialized to you, tailored to you, but it's also kind of the problem with it is that when you're first getting into it, there's so many options you don't know which to choose. Um, so I would probably just assuming that he's going for inshore, probably some lakes as well. I'd say at least 12 foot kayak. Um, if he's going on the bigger water, even 13, 14. Um, if he's going in salt at all and wants to, you know, just thinking of the type of fish that are out there, I'd say probably stick to a sit on top especially if he has to do any surf launches, you know, going through the surf in his kayak, I would highly recommend a sit on top because you're going to get wet and going to get water in your boat and that will just drain out that way. You know, and then in terms of other features, that's that's up to him what he needs, how many rod holders, how much storage yeah. he actually needs, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. But those are the kind of things that you can add on too, right, once you – like you said, yeah, you can customize yeah. the boat uh, in whatever way, shape you want. Yep, exactly. That's the great thing about them. Guys, I've seen guys put, like, I think 10 rod holders at once on their boats. So, really, the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're saying a longer boat, probably, if he's doing any kind of inshore uh, California or down in the Baja. Yeah, you know, so basically the longer and skinnier the boat is going to be, the faster it will be. You know, the shorter, the skinnier boat it is, uh, sorry, the shorter, wider it is, the slower, but more nimble. So um, if he's going to be paddling anything bigger than like a small pond, then I would say he'd probably want something at least 12 foot. Um, if he's going a lot of salt water, paddling far, paddling against tides, that's when I'm saying, like, 13, 14. You know, if it's, if it's really strong tides, like we have in Cape Cod, then maybe even a 15-foot boat, boat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so we covered those. Great. Um, and let's see. Okay. Um, Phil in California, uh, Kentucky. Uh, he says, I love my 17-foot canoe, but a kayak is so much easier to control in the wind. Uh, I've paddled a kayak but not fished from one. What are some mistakes to avoid when getting a kayak for fly fishing, either the sort of kayak, the equipment one should buy in addition to the kayak, or in, uh, in exceptions of its usefulness? And then he added, I do not want to ever roll a kayak, no matter how big a fish takes me for a run. Right. What should I never do to remain upright? So, um, um, yeah, I, I would think a canoe would be much harder to uh, to control and uh, uh, much less stable as well to fish from. I mean, you'd be surprised. I lo- personally love canoes, you know, sometimes even more than a kayak. <laughs> Don't tell oh, my really? publisher. <laughs> Just because uh, for me, you know, there's more romance to a canoe. There's I like a single-handed, a single-bladed paddle better uh, oftentimes. Um, the one exception to that being in wind. So, yes, kayaks are much better in the wind than canoes. Better control, more fun, faster, etc. So if he never, ever wants to flip, 
then there's something, there's a one boat that's really, really good and really wide and stable, uh, or actually a couple boats. So if we're sticking with Old Town and Ocean Kayak and, and those kinds of brands, so the Ocean Kayak Big Game 2, or is it, maybe it actually, sorry, I think it's the Old Town Big Game 2. Whatever brand that is, that's a really good boat, nice, wide, stable. And then there's also the Jackson Kayak Big Rig. So especially if it's a bigger guy, that, that's a great boat because it's super stable, wide, roomy, um, and they'll, he'll never float that boat, especially because there's also a stand-up bar that he can, he can get and add to that very quickly and add some more stability. Okay, stand-up bar. Is it, is it something like uh, you find in uh, rafts or drift boats where you kind of lock your legs or it's just kind of a handhold? Uh, it's kind of the same thing. It goes up against your waist. Um, and just kind of gives you an extra, you know, third point of contact so that you can feel more secure on the boat. Okay, okay. Let's see here. Uh, okay, Jim in Missouri says, I live on a man-made lake in Missouri that can get pretty choppy. What should I look for in a kayak to make life a, a bit, uh, a little more stable while fly fishing? Yeah, so typically a wider kayak is going to be more stable. So you want to you want to get the balance between the width and the length to make sure that it's fast enough that you can get around, you know, kind of battle those choppy conditions, cut through the choppy conditions and the waves, um, but still wide enough that you can stand up there, no problem. So I'd say try and look for a boat that's, you know, 32, 34 inches wide. That's probably, that's typically where they're, widths are right now, um, for fishing kayaks at least. I know that for the traditional kayakers, that's pretty wide. You know, they're typically only 26, 28 inches, but for fishing kayaks, 32 is about what you're looking for. Okay, okay. Um, uh, DBN Escondido wants to know, would kayaks be a reasonable choice of watercraft if you're starting to have stiffness in your joints or knee joints? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, the great thing about kayaks is that unless you want to, you don't have to stand up. You know, that's kind of the, the most common question is how do I stand up in a kayak, but you don't actually have to. One of my favorite things to do is, is take out a sit-on-top kayak and go out into the surf, put an anchor down, and sit side saddle. So that way, you know, my knees, from my knees down, is actually in the water, and I'm kind of sitting on the edge of the boat. It's a very comfortable, like almost lounge you know, lazy boy position, um, oh. and it gets a great casting range, great motion in my cast. I can still see the same as if I was sitting in my kayak normally, and it's just very comfortable. So, and the great thing about kayaks is that you can kind of just, you can, you know, put your boat in the water, go up to your waist, and then kind of just slide in. You don't need to worry about climbing up over gunnels or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, easy to get into, huh? Yeah. Uh, Kyle in Denver, Colorado says, how is important is, how important is sound management when kayak fishing? Do I need to put sound dampeners all over my kayak? If so, what, what should I use? Uh, so it's something to consider. It's not, you know, it kind of depends on the way you're fishing. So, you know, in New England, Cape Cod, Cape Cod Bay especially, it's very, very busy. There's tons of people there all the time. Um, if I'm getting on in really skinny, flat conditions, then I, I probably need to be stealthier. But if I'm in the channel, you know, it's past low tide, there's other boats around, fish aren't really going to even 
notice or pay or care uh, if you're noisy. But if you're fishing in conditions where fish are sort of skittish, then I would definitely recommend some sound dampening. So uh, there's a great company called um, oh, I forget the name of it. So well, I can think of it on the fly. So it's basically oh Sea Deck. That's what it is. Sea Deck padding. So it's like like a non-slip marine foam that you can just attach with an adhesive to your kayak's deck, and it not only makes it more comfortable to stand in, it also, you know, reduces noise if you drop your rod or drop your paddle onto your boat. Um, and the great thing about them is they actually also make kayak custom kits um, for a lot of popular fishing kayaks out there. So you can check out their website. I think it's C-deck, or c-deck.com, and they make custom kits for a lot of different kayaks out there. Cool, cool. Let's take another quick break, and uh, we'll, we'll dig in as soon as we get back. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams, and just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience and coaching. A vacation with Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip. It's a full-on Baja experience that you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its back roads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They are well-versed in fly fishing the beach, in kayaks, on pongas, and are well-versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jackraval, yellowfin, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja Fly Fishing Company by visiting their website at www.bajaflyfish.com. That's bajaflyfish.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Ben Dushani about kayak fly fishing. If you'd like to ask Ben a question, go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately. We'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. Okay. Um, Ron in Northeast Ohio writes in and says, I often fly fish from muskies in smaller rivers and lakes. Being able to stand while casting and stripping the fly is critical for spotting and following muskies, uh, performing boatside maneuvers such as the figure eight. The kayak I have now has a lean bar, anchor system, and outriggers for maximum stability. It's served me well for many, for several years. Unfortunately, this kayak of Freedom Hawk is no longer being manufactured, and I'd like to know of another kayak make model that is suited for standing for both small rivers and lakes. Any recommendations? Yeah, so one that, you know, I've actually, I know someone that fishes out of this boat specifically for muskie is the, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, the Jackson Kayak Big Rig. They have the stand-up bar. They have a really great anchor system. It's super stable, so you can make those, you know, Boat, side boat uh, maneuvers, boat side maneuvers, because uh, I know how important the figure eight is. Uh, then there's also another company, uh, Diablo Palace Sports, where you guys down in Texas, they make great, great boats, super, like, minimal design, but they're very, very stable. So those would probably work pretty well as well. Could you repeat the name of the first one? Uh, the Jackson Jackson Kayak Big Rig. Jackson Kayak? Yep. And um, And then the other one was Diablo, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, good, good. And um, 
some of these things are kind of duplicating, but another question, uh, there are certain types of kayaks that are better for rivers versus lakes versus ocean. Yeah, so you can think of it, um, you know, rivers, lakes, oceans is kind of like a smaller boat, a little bit skinnier and longer, and then even skinnier and longer. So rivers, you're going to want something nimble, so you want something short and wide enough to actually fit and nothing else you really need, um, just enough to kind of maneuver. The shorter the boat, it's, it's easier to swing the, the bow and stern around and flip around into an eddy. Uh, lakes, you want something a little bit longer, something like a 12-foot boat is probably all you need. Um, and the ocean, that's when you get into the, you know, all the way up to 18-foot or 16-foot boats. Okay. And um, I suppose it makes a difference as to, uh, like you said, storage and so forth. If you plan on being out for all day or extended trips, then um, that's going to be consideration on, on your boat as well, right? Yep, that storage... You know, if you're going to be, like, for ocean example, uh, if you're going to be going out deep sea, out to the rigs, oil rigs, or something like that, like they do in Texas, uh, in the Gulf Coast, you're going to want rod holders. You might want a pedal boat so you can troll while you're out there and uh, rig up bait and stuff like that. And then for rivers, if you are encountering rapids, then you're probably going to want, um, you know, something with a, a sitting side kayak with a skirt, something really nimble. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Dave in Northeast Ohio asks, what are some things to be considered when purchasing a fish finder for a kayak? Do you have any recommendations on a good two to $300 fish finder? So I don't have specific model names, but the ones that I've always used, I've always been impressed with. Um, every time I've gone to like trade shows and conventions like ICAST and seen the new latest technology, um, I've always been impressed by Garmin stuff. Garmin makes really great products, very clear, high-quality pictures. Even their cheaper models, even the $200 to $300 range fish finders, offer great visuals for finding fish, really nice contrasts to spot, you know, those fish that are really close to structure, that are hard to see. Um, they make a great, great product. Okay. Uh, and then along the same lines, Ed uh, in Holton, uh, Wisconsin asks, uh, how do you mount your depth finder transducer? Do you have an external bracket or shoot through the floor of the kayak? Um, so there's there's three main ways. They do make an arm that can kind of go off to the side. If your fish finder doesn't already have that, then there's a company called Yakatak, Y-A-K-A-T-T-A-C-K, all one word. Um, they make a really great mount that attaches to the side of your kayak and has a transducer arm that goes up into the water. You can do it through the floor. I've done it. It's, it works fine. It, it might not have the highest quality picture sometimes, especially if it's, you know, murky water below you with weeds and stuff. It kind of, you, you tend to lose picture that way if you're shooting through the, the deck of the kayak. And then, like I said earlier, you can drill a hole through your kayak. Uh, to mount it that way, or a lot of kayaks now are actually designing transducer holes in the scuppers. So, like, sit on top kayaks, they have six or eight scupper holes that allow water to go through. Well, a lot of new kayak manufacturers now are making one of those transducer holes and turning them a little bit bigger into the shape of a transducer, so you can drop your transducer right in there. Okay. 
Okay. We had another question uh, from Wilbur in Mendocino, California, about can you elaborate on uh, SUP, stand-up paddleboard fishing, and have you had experience with those boards? So I have. I've fished the flats with a, you know, fly rod and a stand-up paddleboard a few times. Um, it is a lot of fun. I really like the fact that it's super minimal. You know, you, you can only go out there with your paddle and a fly rod and maybe a small, tiny box of flies, and that's it. Because um, yeah. that's all you really need, you know, to have a good time. But it does offer some challenges. Like if there's any wind or strong current, you know, it's very difficult to battle that and stand up paddleboard because, at least for me, I'm not as good with the stand up paddleboard. Um, I just can't get enough speed to really make a difference against the current because we have 12 foot tide sometimes down in the Cape, so that's pretty strong current. But they can be a lot of fun. Plus the wake from boats and uh, waves, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I know my experience, uh, again, I'm not in my 20s, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> last year when I tried it just on a lake, it's pretty challenging to, to stay on top of them. You have to have some good, yeah. good legs. Uh, yeah, and like, really strong abs. <laughs> if you want yeah. if you want some six-pack abs, buy a yeah. paddle paddleboard, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd hate to lose my rod or something falling off one of them. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, now they make like you know stand-up paddleboard uh, rod holders, and make all these kinds of attachments that you can actually have it waist level or chest oh, high right. um, rod holders. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're making. I can't believe the mouse that they're making nowadays for huh. for all these kinds of fishing crafts. Um, Kyle in from Denver uh, again asks. Uh, I'm new to kayaking, but a long-time fly fisherman. Uh, other than ways to keep my gear organized and within arm's reach, what would you say is the most helpful piece of gear for a new kayak fisherman? I normally fish mountain creeks, so big still water is very foreign, foreign to, for me. So the piece of gear that I can't stress enough, um, besides a really good high-quality paddle, is your PFD, you know, your life jacket. Not only is it a big safety thing for me, I never let my friends go out kayaking with me or kayak fishing with me unless they're wearing a PFD. But it's also, it's like your, you know, your gadget. It has all your gadgets and tools that you need all within very easy reach. So I have pliers, I have nippers, I have hemostats and uh, a knife, I have a whistle, I have all these things on my kayak and snacks too. we got to have snacks and I keep them all in my PFD. So that's probably... Oh, really? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's probably what so I'm your PFD comes, kind of becomes your your fishing vest, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah, you just trade the fishing vest for a PFD, and um, if you buy a really good one, kind of like a paddle, you know, you put your money into the paddle and the PFD, you're going to be more comfortable. They're going to be made for fishing. Old Town has a really good one that's it's specifically crafted for a fisherman, so it has a high back so it won't get in the way of your of your seat. It has nice vents. Um, special padding, special pockets, you know, gear tethers, all this kind of good stuff you really need. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and speaking of um, paddles as well, um, Ed in Weston, Massachusetts, that wrote in on the Internet wanting to know, do you carry more than one paddle or just one paddle? Do you have a spare? Um, yeah, you should always try and keep a spare. You know, I'll... I'll I'll admit that I, I don't bring a spare with me every time um, just because sometimes I'm fishing within the side of the truck or, you know, it's it, it's perfect conditions or something like that. But if I'm going out, you know, 
beyond just the inshore, or if I know that there's going to be some serious weather or like a lot of boat traffic or something like that, then I'll definitely bring a spare paddle because you never know. You could be fighting a fish and lose your paddle. You could break your paddle. I've, I've seen guys break their paddle before trying to brace it off of a rock or something like that and it just snaps in half. So you, you never know because once you're out there without a paddle, you're you're literally a boat without a paddle. I mean, yeah, the saying, yeah. you know, the saying exists for a reason. I know, uh, you know, when I'm rafting, I have uh, an extra uh, oar, uh, full oar. On my drift boat, mm-hmm. I have a collapsible oar that we've got mm-hmm. strapped inside. Do they have something like that for for, uh, for kayaks, a collapsible type yeah, paddle? Yeah, so they have um, – so most – most paddles that you'll see are all two-piece, but they also make some really nice four-piece paddles. And I'm I'm sure that I haven't seen them or I can't think of them off the top of my head. I'm sure that there might be more than four-piece, but four-piece paddles are, you know, they break down to, I think, like 20 inches long, uh, all bound up. So you can fit those in, in a hatch, no problem, or, or behind your seat or something like that. Just make sure that they're tethered uh, within your easy reach and they won't float away on their own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have this saying when doing whitewater rafting, rib, rig to flip. Um, yep, and, yep, and exactly. And that meant that, you know, you've got everything tied down, but it ain't you're going to flip or not. It's all tied down or tethered or something. Uh, so that yep, you exactly. We cover everything, you know, so. Yeah, so I, I have a lot of experience um, in whitewater, and, and I've actually mentioned that exact saying in my book a bunch of times, Rig oh, to flip, because, yeah. oh, yeah, because you, you have to, because you, you never know whether you're fighting a fish, you're dealing with the weather, um, you know, currents or rapids or something like that. There's always a chance you can flip, and there's always a chance you can lose your gear, so you might as well be prepared. Yeah, yeah, I know when um, I did the Grand Canyon for 21 days, and we only had one, it wasn't mine, but uh, another raft flip. But, um, you know, when you're on a long-term trip like that, too, if you lose it, you could be losing your food. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. In, uh, in the ammo boxes and stuff, in the coolers. and mm-hmm. uh, But luckily, the, the guy that rigged the boat, it was all there. And, we had, you know, it wasn't easy to flip back over, but, um, <laughs> right, but right. We, we had all all the stuff, so it was, it was, it was fine. Um, That's great. Yeah. Um, Al in Atlanta says, any suggestions on how to transport kayaks on a small SUV? I've uh, been using foam pads over the roof rack and straps uh, and keep a stool in the car. Uh, He says, money is an object. (laughs) Um, So there's there's a few different ways you can transport a kayak. For a small SUV specifically, I'd say, you know, just invest in roof racks. They do sometimes cost some money. You know, I know you're on a budget, but it's so much worth it knowing that your boat is actually secure. I've seen, I've been on way too many trips where a kayak has almost come off the, the car of a friend's, you know, of a friend's roof, and that's that's something you just do not want to see because someone could get hurt. You could also lose your, your gear. You could lose your boat. I mean, there's so many things that could go wrong. So rigid-mounted roof racks is something I recommend. And then beyond that, um, I have something called a kayak assist bar. Um, I believe Yakima Racks makes it, and it fits on the inside of your roof rack and then slides out so that you can lift the bow of your boat and rest it on that pole. 
and then go around the back, lift the stern up onto the truck, and it kind of makes it as if there's a friend there holding up the other side of the boat. It makes it a lot easier. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was useful. Um, what about other trailers and, and so forth? I know in your book you also mentioned um, carts to get the boat mm-hmm. in the water and stuff. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, of course. So just to touch on trailers, trailers are the best way to carry a kayak, but they're also the most expensive. They're just the easiest, the most secure, but, again, most uh, expensive. But then a cart, you know, carts are so inexpensive and, and easy to get, easy to use, but they're such a huge lifesaver. Um, it makes it so you can bring your entire boat next to your car, be ready to go once you get near the water, and then you can just flip the, the cart, you know, on top of your kayak and go. It's It's fantastic. I actually went on a 100-mile canoe trip, and we used kayak carts the whole time in between lakes on the portages, and that was the only way we could carry our gear. I mean, if we didn't have those carts, we would have been, you know, out of luck. And actually, we broke one of the carts on the last portage of the trip, and that was terrifying. <laughs> but at least it was the last one. You what? Lost the carts? Yeah, it broke. It broke right in half because we oh. had so much gear. Yeah. Because otherwise you'd have to unload it all, pack it up, and then carry the boat and then carry the gear, right? I mean, yep, exactly, which we had to do after we broke it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love those canoe trips up in the Boundary Waters, carrying a canoe mm-hmm. over your head, and uh, all the mosquitoes are inside the canoe. It's just wonderful. Yep, <laughs> yep, I've done it. I've love done those it. days. <laughs> um, okay, well, how about some um, tips on paddling? You had mentioned the importance of having a really good paddle. What makes a really good paddle? And then maybe you can give us some tips on on using it. Sure. So a good paddle um, is going to be the best investment that you can make. Um, Like I said, that is your engine. It's like having, you know, a Toyota Corolla engine versus a Ferrari engine in your car. Um, A good paddle is going to be just more fun to paddle. So what makes a good paddle is, is it's lightweight. You can tell the difference between a cheap $20, $30 paddle and a couple hundred dollar paddle very fast once you pick it up. It, that just make, makes you less tired at the end of the day. Um, it just makes everything more enjoyable. Another thing that makes a good paddle a good paddle is the stiffness. So when you actually go to paddle, that paddle stroke against the water will become more efficient if the paddle is stiff. If it's not stiff, you'll lose some of that power into the water from the flex of the paddle. So each stroke, you're losing energy, which means you have to have extra strokes to get to the same distance. And then in terms of paddle tips, I'd say, you know, either find a mentor who knows what they're doing or a paddling class and and try and become the best paddler that you can be because a lot of anglers that I know that are fly fishing or, or fishing in general from kayaks are fishermen first, which is what I was as well. But now I consider myself a paddler because it's so important to know paddle strokes uh, when you're fishing from a kayak. So, for example, no one, when they first start learning how to kayak, uh, fish from a kayak, knows how to come up to a dock at the end of the day. So how do you paddle sideways? Nobody knows how to paddle sideways unless they're a paddler and they've learned the right paddle strokes. So learning things like the draw stroke can make you go sideways and just makes your life super easy. So 
learning how to do the correct forward stroke and a draw stroke are probably the two that you need to know the most. Um, before we move on into some casting tips and so forth, uh, I do have some questions that came in on the Internet about boats. Sure. Thomas Murphy wanted to know about uh, going used. Uh, what do you need to know about buying a used kayak? So going used is, you know, a great option to save some money and, and make sure that you like it before you spend more money on a, on a nicer boat. Um, you know, I've bought used boats. I've sold used boats. One thing to look for is, is – Probably the first thing is to flip it over and look at the, the hull. You know, you're going to see scratches unless someone's never used the boat before. You're bound to see scratches. Um, scratches are fine as long as they're not deep. You know, so try and run your fingers over the scratches. Make sure that they're not too deep and really into the plastic. If they're surface scratches, then that's totally fine. Don't even worry about it. Another place to look that tends to become a problem is on the very back of the boat. Uh, it's called, you know, there's, there's like the heel of the kayak where the bottom of the hull meets the back of the boat. People will pick up the bow of their boat and drag it through the concrete or mud or rocks and stuff. And in that corner, just it gets torn up the most. Um, most kayaks now are actually designed with a sort of hard plastic puck or even a wheel specifically for that reason, but make sure that there's not a hole because actual holes can form in that little corner uh, if you're not careful. So that's probably what I would look for the most. And then just make sure it fits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ed in Western Massachusetts wants to know, what a, what's a good system uh, to anchor a kayak? Um, so if you can, I would highly recommend a full anchor trolley system. Um you know, so just like in a real boat, you can you can have a series of levers and rope to control the position of the anchor as it relates to your kayak. So in different conditions, you know, different currents and wind, um, you're going to want your kayak in a different spot to make sure that you're safe and they don't get flipped or get in trouble. So an anchor trolley is, is highly recommended. If you can't get an anchor trolley, you can make your own. Uh, by using like a, a carabiner, you know, a climber's high-quality carabiner at the bow um, and the stern of your boat. And that kind of is like a poor man's anchor trolley system, but just be careful with that. And I'll, always make sure that you can uh, remove your anchor quickly, like a quick draw system. So rather than using a chain or a heavy-duty rope to secure your anchor to your anchor rope, use either, you know, I've seen guys use like, um, plastic uh, zip ties so that, you know, to a certain a certain number of zip ties, like two zip ties, for example, will break at a certain amount of pounds. So if you, your kayak is going down the river, your anchor gets stuck in a rock, those zip ties will break first before your kayak is, is tucked, you know, is pulled underwater. Okay, um, another one from Ed here. How do, how do you avoid getting hit by motorized craft? <laughs> um, unfortunate thing is you kind of can't. It's not really up to you. You're kind of at the mercy of them, you know, which is unfortunate, but that's the truth. So much like if you're riding a motorcycle, you know, you have to pretend like you're invisible because chances are the 
motorboaters, you know, they, they don't see you. So you have to pretend and, and act and paddle and position yourself as if they don't see you. So if you have to cross the channel, never stay in the channel. Don't fish in the channel. Um, get through the channel as fast as you possibly can. Um, other than that, I highly recommend a, you know, a 360-degree white light on a pole behind your seat um, that sticks up at least a foot above your head and also an orange flag. Um, especially if you're in a high traffic area with lots of boat traffic, jet skiers, you know, things like that on the busy lake, that orange flag and white light is going to attract attention. If people get too close to you, they're going to turn away, and it's going to make you a lot safer. Yeah, yeah. kind of like uh, being a diver too, right? You know, with, exactly. Yeah. Worse being a so diver, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you got. Whenever you're the smallest thing <laughs> compared to everything else, you know. I remember exactly. crossing uh, crossing the, the channel and uh, between the, the Channel Islands uh, out from Santa Barbara in a storm at night. We're in a big fishing trawler, and, and there we were we were constantly watching the radar for tankers. There are oil tankers going through there, you know. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and even if you're in a fairly good sized fishing trawler, there's nothing for an oil tanker. To, Crunch you. Um, exactly. Yeah. Whenever you're smaller. Is, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I was going to say if you're if you are fishing at night, something I see a lot of kayakers do that that they shouldn't do is they put on nav lights. You know, so like the the red and green bow lights that you'd see on a regular power boat. Yeah. Um, that actually signals that your boat is under power, which means that oh. you know another boat coming towards you is going to think, oh, they can move out of the way. I don't need to be as careful around them. So that's why I say only do a 360-degree white light above your boat, you know, a, a, about a foot above your head. Don't put those nav lights on your boat because people will get the wrong idea. Yeah, I didn't – I had no clue about that. Very good. Yeah. Um, another question on the Internet. Richard uh, Stoops in Albuquerque says, how about inflatable kayaks? Uh, stable, they're stable, easy to pack. He says, I've paddled one for a number of years. In addition to whitewater canoes and hardshell kayaks, so what's your experience with inflatables? So I haven't had a ton of experience with inflatables. I have used them. I've um, you know gone on trips with them and and fished all day with them, but I haven't used them as much, you know, nearly as much as, as hard hard hull boats. Um, just because you know the the hard hull is going to have less uh, more resistance to the water, the pressure from the water, which means that you're more efficient, you're faster, um, but there are some really great maneuverable, fast, uh, inflatable boats out there that, that are great and stable and fun to fish out of. Um, just make sure that you're, you know, do really doing your research to find a high-quality inflatable boat because I've also seen people go out there with, with cheaper inflatable boats and the boat has folded in half when they're going down oh. a, a rapid or something like that. So yeah. that's not fun. Yeah, I was interviewing uh, Rod Hamilton, who uh, has a website on do-it-yourself, you know, fly fishing, vacation kind of uh, things, and uh, he travels with an inflatable on planes, takes it wherever mm -hmm. he goes, because he never knows what's going to be available, and it's better to have that than nothing, you know. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that he packs that up and throws it on the planes. Yeah, I know guys go, you know, they... They, they bring them on, like, bush planes up in Alaska so that they can go kayak fly fishing or, or paddling down a river in Alaska. Like, that's something that's very, 
it's impossible to do without an inflatable. So I, I highly recommend it if you're going to be traveling like that or if you live yeah. in the city. A lot of people will just stick it in the closet and then go fishing during the weekend when they can. Yeah, 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 right. Let's take another quick break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about some casting techniques and do's and don'ts about fishing from a kayak. So we'll be right back. Federation of Fly Fishers needs your support. Its conservation projects at both the national and club level are addressing critical issues of importance to fly fishers. It is involved in the Mangrove Recovery Initiative in Florida and the Trout of the Desert Southwest Initiative to help the recovery of rare native trout and the Endangered Fisheries Initiative and is helping to prevent the introduction of harmful aquatic species to new waters with their Clean Angling Pledge. The Federation won a National Conservation Award for its efforts. To continue this great work on behalf of all fly fishers, the Federation needs to increase its membership. It needs more concerned anglers willing to join in support of such projects, and by doing so, give something back to the sport that gets given so much to each of us. Join the Federation of Fly Fishers today and help support their fine work. For more information, go to the Federation website at www.fedflyfishers.org. That's www.fedflyfishers.org. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, and we're talking with Ben Duchaney about kayak fly fishing. If you'd like to ask Ben a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use that Q&A text box to send us your question. And I think we're all caught up on the questions on the Internet, uh, Ben, so we're good to go there. Um, cool. Okay, casting. Uh, we got some questions on casting. Uh, Marty in New Jersey wants tips for casting uh he said, want tips for casting from a seated position? I have practiced but still sometimes hit the water on my back cast. Also, do you think a shorter rod is necessary? Love my Sage 9-foot, but some say it's easier to land fish with shorter rods. Yeah, so it's definitely easier to land fish with shorter rods, but you, you kind of need to find that balance point because the shorter the rod, the, the more often you're going to hit the water with your back cast. So... One thing is practice. Uh, you know, he says that he, he practices, but you probably could practice more. I could practice more. We could all practice more. So <laughs> yeah. the more practice, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but then also one thing that I always, always, always recommend is when you're, you know, seated and trying to fly cast, the tighter and faster your loops are, the more easier it is to keep your line in the air, you know, the less likely you're going to hit the water. And it also makes you – you know, false casts with less line in the air, which means you can shoot more line. So a faster rod, you know, weight forward line will allow you to shoot more line instead of loading it up in the air, which will make it easier to not hit the water on your back cast. Um, Craig in Portland, Oregon asks, uh, is it difficult to troll with a streamer like a woolly bugger while paddling a kayak, similar to what you might be doing with a float tube? So it's definitely not difficult as long as you have, a, you know, a fly rod and a rod holder. It is possible to not have a rod holder and troll with a fly rod, but it's, it's much more difficult, obviously. I troll all the time with my fly rod in the kayak, though, especially with a woolly bugger. It's my favorite fly to troll with. You know, just make sure that you that your paddle isn't hitting your fly rod because uh, you, you could break your fly rod, for one, but also it'll, it'll mess up your presentation. But you do want the fly rod in front of you so you can watch your rod tip and, and make sure that you don't miss fish. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, 
Uh, Rob in Pennsylvania, what tips can you give a novice at both fly fishing and kayaking? Rigging, tips for fishing, slow water, etc. It's kind of a wide open question. But, uh. <laughs> Read my book. No. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, fly fishing from a kayak is, is tricky at first. So I would say take it slow, practice your casting, make sure that you, your casting is very good. Um, at least, at least you you know, you need confidence in your casting. If you don't have confidence in your casting, then that means you're going to get frustrated. You're going to start, uh, you know, using improper technique, which will make it worse, which will make you more likely to flip because, you know, if you're using your arm too much with your fly cast, for example, you're not going to be paying attention to your hips and what your upper body is doing, so you're going to be rocking the boat more. And then if you do that, you're never going to have fun uh, kayaking. So, I'd say, you know, go out on your front lawn, sit down on the grass, and practice casting from that seated position. Even if you aren't going to be seated all the time, you're going to be standing up to cast in your kayak, it'll still help you get your, your cast tighter loops, um, you know, carry line in the air more easily, and uh, just make it more fun once you get in the water. Yeah, we had a couple of questions uh, that relate to that. Bernie in Alabama says, when I cast, the kayak rotates. Am I using too much lower body? Yeah, so definitely. I mean, so it could be a couple of things. You want, there's, there's a joke or in the whitewater community that tight hips sink ships, and that's because if you don't have your hips loose, then the kayak can't move freely underneath you. You do want some motion you just don't want to fight the motion of your boat. It's going to move underneath you no matter what you're doing. As long as you keep your upper body uh, within the center of your boat, then you, then you won't flip. So think of it, once your shoulders go over the edge of, you know, are above the water, past the edge of your kayak, so are you. Your, your body's going to fall where your, where your shoulders are going. So make sure that your upper body is always centered on your boat and make sure that your hips are loose. And then, you sh- and then also practice your casting technique. You should you shouldn't have too much side to side motion with your casting technique. It should be forward and back, uh, and that will help reduce the motion of your boat. Yeah, that was another thing. Jim uh, in Missouri asked, "Should I change my casting stroke to minimize dipping?" That sounds like he's doing a lot of rocking of his boat or something. Yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, out there on the flats, I have a sidearm cast that's you know, technically not technically perfect, but that's because I need to get underneath the wind on the flats to make sure that my cast is nice and, and can get that distance that I need. But it still has the forward and back motion. It doesn't go side to side and, and cause my shoulders to rock side to side and cause my boat to, to rock. So just make sure that your hips are really loose uh, and you're not fighting the motion of your boat and make sure your upper body is centered on your boat and you should be fine. Um, Richard in Albuquerque asks, the kayak is great for cutting into eddies, even on fast-flowing streams. Can you use these techniques for fishing? Absolutely. So an eddy is where you want to be, um, you know, when you're fishing streams. And that's the great thing about kayak fishing, kayak fly fishing on streams is that, you know, if you're in a, if you're in a bigger boat, you have to hit these eddies as you're going by. You have maybe one or two casts at each eddy, and that's it. Um, but with a kayak, you can kind of, you know, practice a technique called eddy hopping, where you can go from eddy to eddy, hitting 
more of the eddy. You can hit behind the rock, you know, the, the seams. You can hit the, the pillow in front of the rock if you can um, and really pick apart those eddies and get more time per eddy than you could with a bigger boat. So, you know, just what I like to do, especially if it's a fast-moving river, is I'll pack up the rod or I'll secure it in a way that it won't get in my way of paddling. You know, cross the river, do what I need to do, make my paddle moves to get to the next eddy. Same thing, pack up, unpack the rod, fish, and then do it again. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Okay, our last question. Bernie in Arizona. I am 79, love to fly fish, and also have a bass boat that is difficult for me to take out by myself. Would I be comfortable in a kayak? Good for you, 79, still fly <laughs> fishing. That's Bernie, awesome, uh, yeah. Love it. That is awesome. Uh, I think, yes, you probably would be comfortable on a kayak as long as the kayak is right for you. So make sure you go to the store, you try out different kayaks, you try out different seats, and make sure that not only are you comfortable, but you're going to be safe as well and make sure you get a nice, stable boat. Um, now, just to touch on going out by yourself, I don't recommend going out by yourself because, one, it's not as much fun, but it's also not as safe. I tend to, you know, nine times out of ten, I always try and go with at least one other person because you never know, you know, if you could fall in, you can get flipped. One of those motor, uh, you know, fishermen could come by and knock you in the water. You just never know. So always try and take someone with you. It's just more fun and safer. Yeah, yeah. Good uh, good uh, note to end on for our question and answers. Uh, thanks, Ben. Um, hang with us here. Got to wrap this up right now in the Q&A, but uh, when we return, we're going to give away a one-year membership to the Federation of Fly Fishers and a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. We'll also be giving away a copy of Ben's book, Kayak Fly Fishing, courtesy of Stackpole Books. Again, learn more about Stackpole, go to stackpolebooks.com. And um, we love Stackpole. They're constant supporters of our program, and, and uh, we love working with their authors and reading all their books, so, so give them some support. Uh, the Bristol Bay region of southwest Alaska is home to the largest runs of wild salmon on the planet and some of the best trophy rainbow trout fishing found anywhere. The pebble mine still remains a threat to the region, and 2 million acres of federal lands may also be at risk. The entire fly fishing industry has united in this epic conservation battle. Salmon fishermen... Alaska Native Organizations in Bristol Bay region and environmental groups have been fighting the proposed gold, copper, and molybdenum mine for more than a decade, saying it imperils the, imperils the world's largest salmon run, a significant source of income for Alaskans. Uh, Trump's uh, new EPA director has reversed an Obama administration decision to prevent progress of this mine, and it opens the doors for the mining company to apply for permits to start mining. English from across the country are joining the fight against this. Be one of them. Visit SaveBristolBay.org, SaveBristolBay.org, to learn more about this, uh, this epic battle and to, to get involved and, and help out. Again, it's SaveBristolBay.org. Just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave our website tonight, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our homepage. In the section under tonight's show that says, what did you think of this show? Just click on that link and leave your comments. We'd really appreciate it. 
So now, um, the winners, uh, we're going to do some drawings for some prizes here. The winners for our drawings are randomly selected from the show's registration database. If you didn't register yet for tonight's show, it's too late now, but make sure you do so for the next show so you don't miss out on uh, chances to, to win some of these great prizes we have. If you are the lucky winner, we'll contact you after the show to provide you with the information on how to receive your gift. So first, we will be giving a one-year membership to the International Federation of Fly Fishers. And to learn more about the International Federation of Fly Fishers, go to fedflyfishers.org, fedflyfishers.org. So now, um, fire up the database here and give us a winner. Uh, looks like the winner is going to be David Hall in Idaho. David Hall in Idaho. So congratulations, David, winning that one-year membership to the Federation of Fly Fishers. And um, next, we'll give away a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which you can learn more about at amatobooks.com, another great publisher of fly fishing books, amatobooks.com. So our winner there uh, is Jay Maricoshi in California. Great. Uh, congratulations, Jay. And uh, sure you'll enjoy that. Of course, you're such a great fly tire anyway. Uh, you probably write some of the articles in the magazine, but, uh, but we'll fix you up with a subscription regardless. Anyway, congratulations. Okay, now, uh, give away Ben's book, Kayak Fly Fishing, courtesy of Stackball Books. Um, just going to ask a very simple question. If you were going to go look for a kayak to do large open water or salt water type uh, kayaking and fly fishing, what length boat would you be looking to get? What length boat would you be looking to get? So uh, I cleared my queue here, Ben. I'm just waiting for someone to reply here and see if we can't get a winner. That should be a pretty easy one to answer. And sometimes it takes a minute. Well, that's a pretty big range. Um, I'm going to ask uh, Ben about this. Um, 13 to 16 foot, that's pretty pretty big range. Uh, isn't it, Ben? Do we want something a little bit closer? Or do you think uh, that? I think I'd give, it, I'd give it to them. I mean, I fish saltwater with a 13-foot boat. Uh, okay. I have a buddy that fishes with a 15, and then I have a buddy that fishes with a 16. So I'd say he's pretty much right on the money. Okay. Then, uh, Paul Adams, you just won yourself a book on kayak fly fishing by Ben Duchesne. So... Paul is down in Farmington, uh, I was, was going to say down in Farmington, New Mexico. He's in Farmington, Michigan, it looks like. So um, uh, lots of good water around there to use the kayak in, so congratulations. So, Paul, send me your address. Uh, I've got your email here. I've got your name. I just need your admin address. You can send it in that same text box to me, and then we'll get that uh, book sent out from Stackpole directly to you, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it. So, um Congratulations. First one in was the winner, and uh, a lot of other uh, entries here were right as well. So uh, good job, uh, everyone, and uh, good listening. All right, so um, that's it for the prizes tonight. Um, ben, hey, really appreciate you being on the show with us tonight and uh, sharing your 
expertise on kayak fly fishing. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for, for being with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Roger. This is this is a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it always is. It's always fun talking about fly fishing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we all love it. So um, uh, great. Uh, thanks for being with us, and um, and we'll see you on the water, I'm sure, sometime. Our next broadcast will be December 6th, uh, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and we'll be interviewing Oliver White, and our topic for the show will be Bahamas Bonefish. Oliver has fished all over the world for many exotic species, but his home turf is in the Bahamas, and it's still where he's most comfortable. The flats of the Bahamas have always been known for outstanding bone fishing, and Oliver knows it well. Join us to learn the ins and outs of fly fishing the Bahamas for bonefish on our next show. We'd like to thank the International Federation of Fly Fishers, the Motto Books, Whipray Key Fishing Lodge, Watermaster, and Baja Fly Fishing Company for sponsoring our show tonight. Don't forget to visit our website at askaboutflyfishing.com and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future podcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.